two years ago to um, OM, Operation Mobilization. I'm pretty much doing the same job, um, just with a different name. Um, they're growing a lot. Benjamin. Our newest, Sophia. Hello. <laughs> and Alfredo. And he's actually going to present part of the presentation yeah. because the earthquake part we're going to present at the end and he's now the expert because I haven't been and he's the one doing all the work. So he, <laughs> he he's going to do it. So we're in Ecuador, South America. Um, and here's... I should stand We're in Ecuador. Go to the back. <laughs> we're in Ecuador. Um, we're in a few different parts of Ecuador now. So we're living in Quito. We used to live in Puyo, which is uh, Pastaza in the green part by the jungle. Um, two years ago, when we came back from the States after studying, we returned to Quito. Um, Quito's the capital in the pinky bl uh, the blue greeny blue bit in the middle um, and we work in the Riobamba the other greeny blue bit in the middle um, in the mountains Jimborazo Upper Ibarra at the top um, and in Manabi where the arrow is that was where the earthquake hit um, and that's our new area of work so we kind of travel around um, to quite a few different parts of Ecuador when we arrived um, two years ago, back to Quito. Um, OM has been in Ecuador for 30 years, but only in Guayaquil. In Quito, we, we've always lived in, in Quito, always been connected to the church in Quito. I never even realized that OM was in Ecuador. Um, so that was one of our jobs, was to make OM known to the rest of the country, to the northern, to the mountains, um, to the northern um, part of Ecuador and to encourage the churches to get involved with um, OM and to, um, to go away to missions with OM. So we started by getting an office um, and this was how it started, um, a nice little empty office with Alfredo and our friend uh, Maria Fernanda working. Um, it looks slightly better than that now. Um, we have a team that have joined us, team of volunteers. Um, We've got seating and an area for praying um, for all the different missionaries and missions around the world. Um, and in the future, it's going to be like a guest house. So upstairs is going to have accommodation for um, people coming from Waikil and for short-term um, missionaries, short-term teams who want to come and visit. Um, so very shortly, you can all come and visit. We've still been doing water projects. Um, we, with the technician who used to be with HJB and one of the engineers who used to be with HJB, um, the, the technician who's Kichua, he's formed his own foundation. So we kind of were helping him and his foundation um, grow, um, do well on its own. Um, so supporting local, um, local work. So he, Instead of us leading it and him being our technician and doing what we said, we became we went under him and 
he was they were leading it they were getting the projects and then we were doing this technical support helping with the engineering um with the signatures that are needed on all the documents um and with the topographical um training here in this picture you can see that they were um practicing how to do the topographical survey so it wasn't just us um doing it for them but in teaching them how to use um engineering um to improve their projects We've been heavily involved with um, our mission team in our Quito church. Um, in Quito was where we started going before we got married, when we lived in Quito 12 years ago. Um, and then we were in the missions team then, and it was about five, ten people is, was the missions team. It was just a group of a few of us that would do dramas together in the church and do some street evangelism Um and now the group is about 50. Um, they ha we have regular, regular Wednesday meetings, which ranges from um, praying for other, the missionaries that the church has sent and the ones that we know that are linked to Ecuador, um, training, and then pla um, planning for our missions trips. Um, the guy in the purple shirt in the middle, he's the missions pastor. And... Under him, there's quite a few different ministries. Um, there's Shamanal, which I'll talk about in a minute. They have um, like a, a ministry to the gypsies. They have a ministry to the old people who live in the, the historic centre. Um, they give meals and do children's um, Christmas programmes with them. Um, there's a Buena Aventura, which is a community high up in the mountain on one of the really poor neighbourhoods of Quito. And they have a Saturday kids club um, that a lot of these people are involved in. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much. So there's a good little range of different activities that just this group do. The actual church is about 4,000 members. Um, we have five different services on a Sunday, um, a big auditorium. Um, but of those, they say about the memberships about... 800 of the ones attending cell groups are in ministries um, and then for us mission, the missions team is really kind of our church this is the group that we um, spend all our time with that we um, do ministry together with so they're our our close our close group um, and from here lots of these people are the ones that are volunteers with OM as well or are connected to our, our work our OM work and our church work it's all kind of interlinked now Shamanel is uh, the church plant project. Um, Inakito kind of inherited it. It was started six years ago by another church and they built a church building and they were going every few months um, for six years. And in that time, they just they got tired because they didn't see any fruit. Um, there was no baptisms. There's no obvious believers so they gave up, but instead of just closing it all down, for some reason, our church was given it. And we don't know why we ended up having it but, and why we took it on. But just as we arrived back from the States, this was the church had just started this. So we got involved right from the beginning. And to us, it's more than just a church plan. It's this community development at its best, how to integrate um, social needs with um, 
spiritual needs because the community is a disaster. Um, it's a very poor um, Afro-Ecuadorian community, um, four hours away from Quito. Um, the the black community in Ecuador are considered even lower than the Quechua community, or that's how they see themselves um, more than anything. Um, so they feel that they're very poor, they're very um, unappreciated, um, and then in the community, they don't agree with each other. They can't get on. It's a sev- they have 70 different families. All of them are interrelated. So I mean, lots of them are kind of second cousins. Lots of them have um, family, if you can trace family in the in the community. So in theory, they should all be friends because they're all interrelated, but none of them get on with each other. Um, we discovered that they don't... Mo- um, 80% of the community can't read and write. So... This is part of the reason why the church plant hadn't done well previously, because they'd gone in with a traditional method of um, bring everyone to the church, sit them down, give them a sermon, and then give them free food at the end. The church was always full because they knew that they were going to get food at the end. So they'd always come, but the free Bibles that were handed out, they couldn't read, which it seems like they never realized that they would hand them out and say, oh, did you do that Bible study? And they'll go, yes, of course, which of course they didn't because they couldn't do it. But that's what they people wanted to hear, so they would give the answer that was required. Um, putting them all in the church at the same time, they didn't like that because they didn't get on with the half the people in the communities. So they would all come together, but they wouldn't talk to each other and they wouldn't interact. Um, and the visits weren't regular enough to really notice um, these problems. So we, right from the start, said we're not going to do the same as they did. We refused to give out anything. Um, which is one of our community development principles. Um, we're not going to give them free things, although as soon as we arrive, that's what. What have you got for us? Like, nope, nothing. We've got we've got the word of God and us and our friendship. Oh, you haven't got any clothes? Can you bring us some cl- used clothes? Can you bring us food? Nope, we're not going to do that. Um, and it quickly weeded out the people that were only there because we've got free things. Um, but that's okay, because we weren't there to convert the entire community we wanted to find key people who were interested in what we had to say um, and to find some key leaders that could, um, that would be interested in um, knowing about Jesus and sharing it with their community because they would be much better at evangelizing um, if they came to know the living God, they can do it themselves. It's not for us to go every day or every week because it was too far away. It, was, it wasn't a, a, fut- a project for another six years we committed to a year we've now been doing it two but that's because after the first year we actually saw signs um we still didn't see baptisms and converts but we did see people asking us when are you coming back and asking us into their homes um, and we changed the technique from do we did orality which is bible storying so instead of preaching to them all in a big church building We'll do small discussion groups, tell them a story of the Bible. We wouldn't read it to them from the Bible. We'd tell them from memory, um, memorize stories so that they could then pass it on so that we could show them that they could understand stories and remember stories and how the stories of the Bible were important to them, even though they couldn't read and write. Um, Because we didn't want them to say, look, you have to be able to read this Bible to understand it and be able to apply it to your lives because we know that 80% couldn't read. So... And they have a brilliant memory. We go back a month later, I probably can't even remember which story I was doing, and they can still 
repeat word for word the story and still remember why it was why it was important and how it links into the new story it's been a brilliant method and using questions instead of preaching this passage means we we do it through questions so what have you where have you seen this happen in your life how could this apply to your life how would this change your life if you did this and they can find the meaning and they find meanings in things that we don't especially as they are um they're poor and they're black in a community in a society that doesn't respect that and they would say oh this person was in like the samaritan story that we know how that lady felt but she had jesus jesus came to talk to her that's amazing that he came to talk to her so that means it's important to us too so i wouldn't have thought of that because i don't know what it's like to be um felt left out and to be um unimportant in the in the society as they do but they found meaning in that story far more important than what i could have preached to them so we've been going we started every month and then we did every two months we would do we now do family visits um every two weeks what did i say every two months every two weeks um we do kids work and with the kids work we actually had problems with a lot of the kids there was about six to 15 um 12 to 15 children that were really problematic in the group of the 80 children who would turn up there was 10 or so that would just cause um just be unruly so instead of sending them out and forgetting about them our friend I kind of took them on and made them into a special club and gave them a special course and made them into the leaders. And they did the um, Good Behaviour Club. But that has been... They are now our leaders, our church leaders, our church, kids club um, leaders. They're the ones that come in. As soon as we arrive, they've already come in and got the keys and, and swept the um, swept the church building. They're the ones that keep make sure organise all the children and brought them into groups. So giving them the attention and the love and giving them responsibility has improved their behaviour and has made them um, our focus children. And then the families linked to those are the ones that we've been going to visit. They're the ones we targeted to start with. Um, a few of them weren't interested and they always happen to be going out or always happen to be busy. And that's okay. We've just crossed them off our list for the moment and we're looking for families that are interested. But we've got some families that now send us messages, text messages saying, well we're not going to be there on saturday but we will be there on sunday please come and visit us make sure you can't don't leave without coming to see us or um are you coming this weekend or we've had this person um this has happened can you pray for them so they've really um taken us as they the relationships have been become really important they have accepted us in the community and they now give us things um after us saying we're not going to give them anything we're not going to take stuff it's turned the tables and they will now they will offer us food if we go when we go and visit them the last time with that alfredo came away with a bag of beans which is their main harvest is little black beans and alfredo brought home a big bag of them that we got given because oh, thank you very much here take these please so it's like the fr the fruits of their harvest were being given to us so that's really special to us because they're now accepting us they want us to be there um and we have relationship with them so that's community development work is very slow but we are seeing fruits um 
and that's really encouraging. So here's some of the groups we've been doing. Um, this sign says, welcome, um, Jesus loves you and we do too. And this was the, the Christmas program we gave. Instead, of, In Ecuador, it's even more common. All, lots of people from the cities will go out. To the, that's the only time they go out to the rural communities to go and give Christmas gifts. So Christmas is definitely a time when we go in and say, what gift have you got us? What are you going to give us for Christmas? And we still, we're not, we're not doing that. So it said we've taken meals. For the last two Christmases, we go in and we, have a, we put on a big community meal and invite everyone to come and eat with us and to share with us. Um, and it's a good time to get the community together. They, all, they will all come down for food <laughs> um, and forget that they don't like their neighbour and will sit with us and still enjoy it. Um, and it's a time that we can make friendships. Um, and they don't, at the end, you don't hear them saying, and where's our gift and where's our gift? Because they don't need that anymore. They, because they would rather us come back in two weeks' time than us to give them something and go away until next Christmas. Something else that we've been involved in um, is the mission school. Um, this is one of the big um, ministries, OM Ecuador um, does every, or OM Andine, um, Andino region does every year. They have a 10-week um, training course um, to prepare missionaries who, are, who want to go on the field or who are already ready to go on the field and they need to go through this as their um, preparation. Uh, if they're going with OM on the boat or on to one of the other fields, the Latinos are required to go on to this 10 weeks before they're allowed to go um, to another country. And we've been involved in teaching for the last two years. They do six weeks of theory classes and then three, three weeks of practice, practice in different rural communities and then a week um, of like spiritual disciplines and um, healing time before they go. Um, so this is Alfredo teaching theology of development. Um, I taught um, issues and trends of missions and the orality and Bible storing techniques. And Alfredo's taught business as mission and the, uh, theology of development and principles of development. And to show kind of the impact this course has, um, these are the people from last year. And Willie is business as mission. He has two businesses now. Um, in Ecuador, um, using it to help encourage um, and help pay for other missionaries who leave the country. Um, Victor, he was pulled between whether he's going to go to seminary and, be and become a pastor and whether he's going to, his family said he was going to go to university and I can't remember what he was going to study, but he had to go to university and he had this pull of where should I be going? And at least through this course, he went to university, but he realized that he can become a professional and use it in missions. He doesn't have to go to seminary and become a pastor. That's not the only way of doing missions. Um, so he's now studying university. Um, Diana, who's the next one, is works in Costa Rica and is preparing to come to Ecuador as a missionary. Doris, in the blue, has been a missionary in Ethiopia and is now, she's hoping to go in August um, to Kosovo with OM um, to do business as mission. Uh, Gloria works in the jungle and she was preparing to go with her husband to Senegal. Anna Maria in the blue 
shirt. She now works with us in OM. And she's doing all the earthquake um, reconstruction work while we're gone. She's our, our right-hand man, right hand woman at the moment. Um, the next two went to the ship and um, went on the OM ship for a year. I think they're still there now. And they're from Colombia. I think both of them were from Colombia. Uh, the guy, second to the um, end, uh, Naum, was a Venezuelan missionary working in Peru. And he learned about business as mission in the cl- in the in the course and went as shown sent us photos saying, "Look, I'm doing it." He set up a music school in per- in the jungle of Peru as his business as mission, as his opportunity to to use his skills as a musician, but also to attract the young people of the community of the area he's working in to give them training, but also to use it as a to teach them how to do worship. And then the final one, um, Juan Fernando. He was an architect training to go to Jordan to work in the refugee camps. So um, just to give you an idea of we're not just working with Ecuador. um, We're looking at reaching people in Latin America to train them and to go out to other parts of the world. Um, And Latin Americans are very um, desirable missionaries at the moment because they um, they fit in, in theory, much better. Than my my nice white face. If I go to the Middle East, I stand out. Whereas this lot, um, they don't have as many visa problems, and they can get um, they fit in much much better. They're more accepted, um, is the idea. But they've been ha- the the problem with lots of the Latino missionaries is that they they miss their family. They they're not as well trained. Um, so that's part of the idea of the school is to give them more training so that they can go and be more successful. Um, but we're impacting missionaries for other parts of the world. We've done work teams. Um, this picture is a mixture of the, the people in the community who um, and the, a team from Panama. Um, a, youth, a youth group from Panama went to the mountains of Ecuador to dig some trench. Um, and they thought, we're going to finish this water project. And they dug 200 metres and the community dug two kilometres. Um, but they worked together with the community. Um, the team brought the money to pay for the pipe. And then in that week, the community and the team dug the, the trench for the pipe to go in for their water project. Um, and it encourages us because it was a team from Panama, which is a Latin American country going to another Latin American country. A Latin American country. Um, we get used to having the teams from Europe and America coming to serve, but now it's Latinos serving others. Um, and this was especially hard for this group because they're from the coast, from Panama, where it's hot and sunny. And then we took them to 4,000 metres above sea level where it was freezing cold um, and made them work when it was a group of 16-year-olds who don't like digging. Um, but they worked really hard um, and had a really good week. And um, even Benjamin was working. Now you've got medical and eye brigades. Um, we've these are connected to the, work, the same places we've been doing the water projects. We've been ha- taking uh, medical brigades, um, doctors from America, and would work in uh, in partnership with the local doctors from the area. Plus, doctors from um, Quito would come down, or Quito and Guayaquil, and one from Peru would come as well to join in. So it was kind of a, a joint effort, a joint partnership. Um, and then when they were 
people were waiting for the doctor. We had um, the sports ministry, sports link, were having a football competition. Um, there was a prayer room. Um, there was children's work. So we were combining the physical and the spiritual all together. And they weren't required to go to the prayer room. It wasn't you have to go and be prayed for before you're allowed to go and see the doctor. Um, it was kind of an extra afterwards. If you'd like to have prayer, please go. But about three quarters of the people who attended, um, went in to see the doctor, went for prayer as well. So we were encouraged that they wanted prayer um, and they were asking for it. Um, and then the eye brigades, they gave out 700 um, sets of glasses. And to some of these people had... There were like little old pensioners, little old ladies who had never had an eye test, and suddenly were given a pair of glasses and saw the world. It's like, That's why, like everything's clear. Oh, how beautiful! And there was an, another lady that had um, she had lost an eye, and so she was always um, really self-conscious that people were always looking at her and that she was ugly. And she was given a pair of sunglasses which was so simple, didn't didn't change her sight, but it covered up her eyes. So people couldn't see that she had lost her eye. And she said, oh, I'm beautiful now. So these are the people we were serving. Run for the World. Um, I don't know if you've heard about it here, but it's, a, it's an open resource event. So anyone can do a Run for the World. But OM put out a challenge that as many of the OM officers should use this as an opportunity to promote some sort of work that OM was doing so we did it in Quito to promote the OM office to show people that we were there um, because we'd only just opened and to raise money for Doris who was getting ready to go to Kosovo um, so in an hour you have to see try and get as many people to run in an hour and see how many kilometers you can do so we managed in our group of 40 people um, 232 kilometres um, ran in that one hour. Mobilisation. Um, we promote the work of OM, promote the work of missions to encourage others, churches to get involved in missions, encourage people to get involved in, um, in missions. So this was a missions conference in our church in Iniquito. Um We were presenting and we were promoting OM. These are all missionaries in some ways um, supported for our church in Iguito. Um It's quite unusual for Ecuadorian churches to be sending missionaries. Um, this is and that's most of our work is just trying to encourage the church that it is their job to send and not just receive. They're still in the mentality that they're oh poor us. We should be receiving missionaries from other places. When like our church of four thousand has the capacity to send missionaries so these are all missionaries that have been sent or um are currently serving with um in a quito church in some part of the world so we've got the couple at the front are currently in spain they were working in Sen uh, in morocco and senegal um doris is going to kosovo uh andrea at the end was in argentina anita's with us in om kathy was in East Timor is now in Indonesia with um, YWAM. The family at the back, um, we're in Spain. And Esther is German Paraguayan um, who works in Ecuador um, with mobilization. So we actually have quite a, a good team that we're involved with. Okay.
So that's kind of what we've been doing in the, over the last two years. And then Alfredo's going to tell you what, what's been our focus since April and then what we're going back to do, um, what our main focus is when we go back. Come on then. I said to her, I can't speak very well English, so you need to do everything. But now, it's an excuse. So she said, the second part is yours. So, <laughs> so I don't know if you hear about the earthquake in Ecuador in April. It was a quite strong one. One was 7.8 um, Richter scale. So but as if you compare with Haiti, was it stronger than Haiti? Was the same than Japan? And stronger, I don't know what's stronger, most, more or less the same than Nepal. So destroy 80% of the houses in this area where it was shown before. So that was a house made by the government. In theory, the government need to accomplish their own standards, but you see that that's not true. So if you see the only, the only house, there were lots of houses around. The only one, more or less, is in the end. So that's a village outside of the main two cities where all the government attention came. When the, the earthquake happened, was almost 7 p.m., or 7 o'clock, and the government was denying for many hours, saying, no, it's not an no earthquake, don't worry, don't worry, nothing happened. Because we, even we felt it in, in, in Quito, we thought we'd be... And somewhere in the country, something happening, but the, the news says, no, nothing happened. So but by the 11 p.m., CNN. So you can see how the world is changing because the, the uh, Facebook, Twitter, CNN, all the BBC, all the big ones start saying, oh, it was an earthquake in Ecuador. So the government was like, okay, yes, okay, yeah, it was an earthquake. You know, this kind of, so they say, but nothing happened in the big cities. But by 11 p.m., my mom received a call from, uh, from his brother, my uncle, saying, I'm going now to Pedernales, where 80% of the city collapsed, was affected. <laughs> so we went there. So that village where we're showing here is 20 kilometers or 20. 15 miles from from that city, and we we received the consideration from or the authorization from from my boss in OM, saying you can go in the name of OM and you can show compassion and mercy to the people. So so the first thing we uh, we that happened, I say Saturday 7 p.m. We arrive 7 p.m. the next day was quite quick. Uh, by WhatsApp again, everything. If you, I, I notice it's so useful when you use in a good way. WhatsApp, Facebook, all these things. So I had a full truck of suppliers, like tents, um, blankets, water, food, uh, lots of essential things for the earthquake. So you can see, uh, even we have people who came vol volunteering immediately by Facebook, saying, "I go with you. We can go." We, they need us, all the country need us, and now we can 
back as a Christian and help our own people. So we start giving in that small community, giving the food, uh, house by house, just not giving food, just giving, just listening to them, you know, trying to be as a more holistic way, in, 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 we say in integral, where we listen, we do counseling, we pray with them if they want it, of course. But firstly, we give them the food. Uh, we we ask them if they are fine, if they need something, if they need a prayer, if they need to say something. And normally they start crying. That was two days later, so they start crying because they lost everything. If you see the faces there, nobody's happy. If you say more or less, that's the only house who survived in that area. You Nuts in the back, nothing. So that that lady expressed what was the earthquake for them. So they are just waiting for them. Even me, I was not happy really. <laughs> what you know, but that that stress was very difficult. But through the process, I came just doing you know uh, free state or we call relief. But through the process, people start asking me, ah, we knew, we know you are civil engineer also. It's like, yes. So can you come to check our houses? Because they think they got to receive good news saying, there's no problem with your house, you can stay there. But actually, when I arrived to this house, for example, I found was failed on the top and on the, on the bottom. So they need to be demolished. So when I said that to them, they start crying and crying, saying, I thought you're coming to give a good news. I said, yeah, the good news is you're alive. Because you survived that. So you can now, to look, God give you a new opportunity. You know, they say, oh, that's true. And I say, yeah, you, uh, where's your children? They say, ah, oh, they're here. They're okay? Yes. So you need to thank God you're still here. Because we have like 900 deaths and 300,000 uh, homeless people. So still, you, you're here. So you, you see in the back, even there are bamboo houses. They are more or less, but still they need to, they, need to, they, were, they were demolished. So are you using, like Alex says, you ended up doing what God put you there, you know. I was thinking not, I was saying, okay, I will be doing relief, don't doing engineering or community development, whatever. But I ended up doing lots of things in a few hours. Of course, the first thing we notice is sanitation, again. Because even for us, when we asked for a toilet, it was no toilet. So you realize, oh, the situation is worse than I think. Uh, so we, we did it, this emergency toilet with thin roof um, and the the tree, oh, there's not a tree in the, um, the tank is inside. And with the, uh, after that, we put it at door, don't worry. <laughs> People ask me, oh, that, so they, they don't care about if somebody's looking. Like, no, no, that was before because I want to show what is inside. <laughs> so in each house, we start putting, so without they're very pleased, you know, you have a place where to put. Because we were, the first thing you need to be careful earthquake is the uh, lots of illnesses or around, like, and we had Zika, paludis, paludism, 
lot. So whatever you you remember, we have in the code. So that situation is worse. So, but with that, keep in control. So we we start doing temporary shelters made it with bamboo. And that in that case, we start in that house because uh, we discover in that area lots of int. Uh, they get married in between cousins, very common. So they have lots of mental illness, mental problems in, in the children. So in that, that family, for example, they have four children, two of them, they can walk and they can talk, they can eat, you know, they are very, uh, with disabilities. Uh, so we start helping them. That's a uh, week after the earthquake. So we start doing very quickly. So sometimes I was arriving to the house 9 p.m. every day organizing the team, organizing, you know, getting the materials. But I know God put me in that situation where I was using 100% of my knowledge, my experience, my my desire to serve. So that was hand giving everything for, for, how long was? Eight weeks before I came. So actually, we came, I came Tuesday night. I was on meeting Tuesday midday. So still, I was talking and organizing still uh, with the people who is there. So you see that we put it that temporary roof. So it's a plastic, very strong plastic. We found it. We asked a lot of people if we can put it cheap, but could be in at least six months before we start doing the more uh, durable house. So you see, with the in the back. The people living, sleeping, or whatever, and just uh, just with normal plastic, but lots of problems. So now, you can see, this is the temporary house we we built it. So with that, we, I noticed uh, we, we, God gave us the good people because, and good connection and good uh, ideas. So we, we did that for that more or less house for $400. So that was amazing because we were asking asking people, you know, what is the best option but need to be cheap. So some some companies say, oh yeah, we can do it for you for five thousand. It's like, oh no no, I give you a discount. Yeah, for for four thousand eight hundred. Like that's not a discount for us, you know. So we use our knowledge and friends, and so we did that way, and we put a light, and so they can be safe. And they use mosquito nets in the night, so without they don't have problems with paludism and malaria. That's the first one we we brought. Remember the first picture? That was the temporary shelter, temporary temporary shelter. We brought that for the next day, but we found that the pipes they were not so strong, so the people was not safe. They say, but they still was safe. But they they never got to kill you, but they still you know afraid for everything move. Um, so that this that our team is working on, we're planning to put in the beginning for 25, and we this week they're almost finishing, and we're applying for to put 24 more, 25 more. And uh, you know the need is in the country is like 30,000 houses, so at least if we can help with 50, we're doing something and not waiting, you know. Um, so remember the, the lady who was studying at a mission school with the, that situation? She started looking for options to serve. She was in the, office, in the office for two months. 
we pray a lot. We say, don't worry. God has a plan for us. I has a good plan for you. And, you know, the earthquake happened. So she was like, exactly what I was expecting. Because how was I prayed? I want to serve in the coast because I love the coast. Because she's from the mountains, you know. <laughs> so now she's there. She's there. She's there. Because uh, we, are, she's uh, directing, leading the team. And she's she's so good. She She's doing a great job. And it's with a kid from the community. And that's, a, that's a, a house in the back, just in case. That house is, in the back of her, is the, t- is the table. Where's the table? Is the dining room. On the left is the living room. If you see in the, in the corner, is, um, is that's the kitchen. And the back, the green, what is that? Barrel? That's the toilet. So you see, that's the that's the house. So the situation is very terrible. Still, still, lots of problems. But we still uh, went through looking, reading, uh, OM uh, devotionals. Uh, that shocked me. That gave me more um, strain my faith because it was a very difficult time being through the whole process, going back from the coast to Quito, just being in Quito two days and back for five days, um, like you know. Um, he has said me to proclaim that captives will be released and the blind will see and the oppressed will be set f- set free. So I think we accomplished what God sent us to do in, in Ecuador. Uh, it's not about me, it's about to serve. It's about to be ready to do what is needed. And that's it. So we are using what we learned through the whole 10 years now. Um, uh, and with my engineering background, with Bible studies, with Bible studies through the process, and also what we study in the States, what is intercultural studies and missions. So, so thank you for, thank you for inviting us to, to hear. Uh, forget me. Forgive me for my English. I'm quite nervous now. I know good. <laughs> I know good uh, enough in English. Um, you know, like OM slogan is pray, give, or go. And you know, always you're welcome to be part of our team. And thank you. Some questions or I don't know. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, we brought for you know. Um, if you want to help with uh, something for, we have a fund for this, this efforts of reconstruction, so we brought some.